0: Praise the Lord. Please take your seat. Thank you very much. Shall we pray together? Our Father, we want to appreciate you so much for tonight. Thank you for the joy of fellowship together. The Apostle John said our fellowship is of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that you send your word to us. Prepare us for communion service on Sunday. Help each one of us to examine himself that we will not come to the table on wedding. Lord, we ask that you grant understanding. Let your word be mixed with faith and let it transform our lives. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 I bless the Lord for the privilege to share fellowship with you tonight. Thank senior pastor and the leadership for inviting me. I'd like us to look at Our first scripture, reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm speaking on the theme, Understanding the Nature of the Flesh. I will start part one this evening, and uh, by the grace of God, end it tomorrow in prayer. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm sure we are very familiar with that scripture We almost quote it or read it at every communion service. Verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning, the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we will not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. May the Lord bless The reading of his word to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I've not preached from this passage before. I don't know why the Holy Spirit, as I was sitting there, wanted me to start from here. Because this is not what I've been asked to talk about. I've been asked to talk about the understanding, the nature of the flesh. But when I was looking at the screen, when I entered... Was saying communion preparation service. Then the verse 28 jumped to my spirit. So let a person examine himself, then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning, the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many are weak and ill and some have died. So there's a need for us to understand why the Holy Spirit is asking us to prepare ourselves for communion. And in preparation the Holy Spirit is saying that each one of us needs to examine himself. There's another counterpart scripture that says examine yourself if you are in the faith. Examine yourself of what nature are you? Are you what kind of life are you living? What kind of life are you carrying about every day in church and out of church? Examine yourself if you are coming to the Lord's table, whether you are worthy. And if you don't so discern and examine yourself, you'll bring judgment upon yourself. So I'm not particularly concerned about the occasional communion service because if you're a believer, we are in daily communion with God. It is the communion we come to take of the bread and of the the wine. It's in remembrance of what Jesus did at Calvary, which I pray that by the grace of God we will begin to look at that tomorrow. But why did Jesus drink the cup? And why did he go to the cross? As He's setting us for us to do this to remember, we need to bring our mind back to Calvary, where Jesus died. And we need to ask ourselves very pertinent questions. Why did he ask to die? Why did he have to die? Why did the Son of God whom God had declared days earlier that this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased Why did he have to be hanged upon a tree? Why did he have to be cursed? Because the scripture says cursed is every man that hangs upon a tree Why did he have to so suffer? And why is he saying that we should now not forget that suffering he suffered? That we need to actually keep that in remembrance. So, if we are coming to the Lord's table, we need to keep that in view. That once upon a time, Jesus Christ, he gave up his life, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, and he gave him to be crucified on a tree. He shed his blood for us. And if he says we should examine ourselves, then we need to examine ourselves so before Sunday. But let me now go to link this to the issue that we need to look at tonight. Understanding the nature of the flesh. Whilst I'm in Corinthians, I would like to look at 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 which is also a very popular passage so let me start from there I intend to do uh, Bible study with us tonight hoping that it will bring us more understanding so we are studying together 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 it says that therefore if anyone is in Christ He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Let each one examine himself concerning this matter. If anyone is in Christ, and if you are in Christ, examine yourself that you have become a new creation this is not something to be presumptuous about this is not something to take for granted when the Holy Spirit says let each one examine himself it means this is something that uh, somebody cannot judge for you this is something that you yourself by the time we are finishing tonight tomorrow you should be able to conclude of what sort of life am I carrying about am I a new creation if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. So that word new creation suggests that there is an old creation. There will, be, there, will, there will be an old creation that is supposed to pass away for a new creation to come. Unfortunately for many of us, and that was my own story as well, I don't hide it, We came into church with the old creation, and we remain in church today in the new creation. And actually, many have died in the old creation in the church. You know, the scriptures say that many people have come to the table unworthily, and that's why many are weak, and that's why some have even died, and many are sick. People entered the church. They didn't come through the door. They entered through the window. So what normally should have happened to them at the entrance never happened. So how they got into service and they remained in service for 2 years, 5 years, 10 years, 20 years some even rose into positions. Positions of leadership. Even to the position of being an apostle or a pastor. And yet... They were still caring about the old creation that was supposed to pass away. You remember that people that Jesus was speaking about in Matthew chapter seven. I say, in that day, many will say unto me, that what, Lord, Lord, what? We prophesied in your name, we cast out devils in your name, some even raised the dead in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are doing great and mighty things. And yet Jesus said, I will say unto them, depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. So, what kind of people are these? People that have have sat in church, that have risen to positions of authority, that have even demonstrated the power of the Holy Spirit in casting out demons, in doing great miracles, signs and wonders. So, a time will come where Jesus will look at them, and said I never knew you yet their name their names were on the church register they had tight cards they were part of the people that we really respected yet the lord jesus christ will look at such people and say I never knew you you that works iniquity so that is a very serious matter We don't need to wait for Jesus to be the one to do the examination. We don't need to wait till that day for him to come and be doing the test and say that, no, you don't qualify, you don't qualify. You are still old creation. You are still a worker of iniquity. We need to take the counsel of the Holy Spirit that says, let each one what? Examine himself. And if you do that examination, as I did some years ago, I concluded. That even though I've been in church and baptized in the church, and I've been an instrumentalist and I've been a an chorister and I've done many things, risen to positions in the church, I it seemed to me, as I examined myself, I, I knew my level, and I concluded that I am of the old creation. I was still carrying the old creation. Say, the old have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let each one examine himself. The Bible says, can two work together, except what? They be agreed. So if God has said that the old creation is not good, and the old must pass away, and you still love to be the old, you are disagreeing with God, and you cannot work with God. There are many people who are still comfortable with the old creation. They love the old man. They love the old self. They like the flesh. The flesh actually has some things that look very good and very smart. Very brilliant. And many people like to keep it. Some people like to mix the old with the new. If it is possible. They don't like to let the old go away. And sometimes it's like that. I was having a discussion with my wife some time ago. We had an old vehicle, which was actually our first car, I think. And uh, we have used it for about 14 years. And uh, I thought it should go so that we can get a new one. I didn't know that my, lo- my wife had fallen in love with the car. <laughs> I said, no, this car is, is good. We can get a o- new one, but it's very useful. It has a lot of space for shopping. It's good for market. It's good for, for evangelism, for missions. So let's keep it. <laughs> so I know that there are many brothers and sisters. Even though they want the new life, they still like some of, the, some of the things of the old. So they don't want to let it go. They don't want to say bye-bye to the old. I don't know how many of you have felt like that. That sometimes, even if you want to move house, you still love your old house. Even when you get a new house in an estate, there's something that you are so attached to. To in that old car, or old house that make you to keep it. That's what makes many people to keep piling on old shoes and old dresses. And they don't like to give it out because they like it. Sometimes that's the first car they bought. Maybe that's the, the, the shoe they, they wore during their wedding. There are many, many things that we are attached to. So there are many brothers and sisters who still are keeping the old And they are still in church. But that is not the wisdom of God. If anyone has come to Christ. He becomes a new creation. The old creation. God has condemned it. And we cannot keep it. If you keep it and bring it to the Lord's table to communion. Then you will see that the scripture that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. uh, Will be very apt. That you are not coming wordily. You are unworthy. And therefore you are bringing judgment upon yourself. So I wanted us to move away from that. Another second scripture I want us to look at is Galatians chapter 6 verse 15 which is also talking about the new creation. Galatians 6 15 It says For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. What God is looking for is a new creation. Whether circumcision or uncircumcision, whether Greek or Hebrew, whether learned or unlearned, whether male or female, whether highly placed in society or low place is not the matter before God. Whether it was water baptism or was baptism by sprinkler or by immersion, all of those many things that have divided the church and created several doctrinal differences, uh, we can agree and disagree on those things. But what God is looking for as we are sitting here in fellowship tonight I'm not so much concerned about your background. Whether you are married or you are not married is not the issue. God will honor himself. Whether you are employed or you are unemployed, you are still seeking job. Whether you are a student or you are a youth or you are an adult. Whether you have money or you don't have money, poor or rich. Uh, it's not the issue now. The issue we are looking at tonight and tomorrow evening as we prepare our hearts is, are you a new creation? What God is looking for is the new creation. Before we go back to look at what is wrong with the old creation? We need to establish that God is tired of the old creation. If you remember in Galatians, in uh, Genesis chapter chapter 6, God had concluded that he repented me for creating man. God himself said, I repent for creating man because his mind is continuously evil. He's is always imagining new wicked things. The heart of man is desperately wicked. No one can know it. So God himself has concluded that what has to do with the old creation must pass away. And for every man, every woman who comes to Christ, he must become a new creation. This is what made Jesus to look at Nicodemus and Nicodemus had been in the, in the church for many years he had risen to the position of a leader he has become a scribe, he has become a teacher and Jesus met him I am paraphrasing because we will not have enough time to tend to every scripture that drops upon my heart but you see that when he came to greet Jesus by night Jesus confronted him with the issue I am confronting you with this evening he said, you must be born again. That already suggests that Nicodemus was of the old creation. He was in the church with the old life. He had not experienced the new life that Jesus gives. And he was growing up in the church into the leadership position. And Jesus confronted him and said, you must be born again. He said that about three times. I say you must be born again. Unfortunately, like me, for many, many Christians, and I admit this almost all the time, there are many, several people in church who are like Nicodemus. And we need to tell them, quite frankly, honestly, that they are not going anywhere with that old creation. They must be born again. And maybe the question is, which we'll be looking at tomorrow by the grace of God, is how can this thing be? Because that is the question I think many people are still wondering. How, what does it mean to be born again? How can I be born again? I thought I was born again because many people actually don't really understand. And I didn't understand either. And I'd grown up in the church for years. So Nicodemus, he didn't argue you just say, well, what do you mean by that? How can this thing be? How possible would that be? An old man at my age, how do I enter into my mother's womb and be born again? So we will look at that tomorrow by the grace of God. But today we, tonight we need to look at even the necessity. What is the issue of the old creation that requires that the new creation must come? This is one scripture. If I can read one more, I'm just giving background. I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If we can look at one or two things also there, I will uh, now go to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll read from verse um, 45. So thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. For each one of us sitting here this evening, we are not born spiritual. Nobody came from the mother's womb spiritual. Actually, uh, I think it was David that aptly put it for us if we can look at Psalm 51 verse, verse 5. Uh, I think our brother is projecting for us. Psalm 51 verse 5. So that I don't... If you project for us Psalm 51 verse 5, David said that what? Psalm 51, 5 1, verse 5. Yes. Say, behold, I was shaping in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Each one of us, we were conceived in iniquity. So, being workers of iniquity, committing sin, is natural to the old creation. We don't teach anyone to sin. Sin is is our nature. We don't learn it. Right from childhood, we begin to manifest it. It shows forth as we are growing up. Because David, you know, this psalm is coming at a time where David had, had been working with God. Even the time that he has grown to become a king of Israel. And he has been composing psalms already. And at this point, where he had fallen into immorality with Bathsheba. And he had committed that adultery. And had murdered the, the husband of Bathsheba. And he was covering it up and hiding it. And nobody knew it. It's a secret, top secret, between him and Bathsheba. And God sent his prophet, Nathan, to confront David. And when David was confronted with the radar. And he said, this man must die. And the prophet said, you are the man. Examine yourself. You will see that you are the man. So when David concluded after examination, he just acknowledged, and this was his repentant, him or son. And he began to cry, say, I have a problem. I pray that tonight we will examine ourselves properly. He said, I have a problem. Many of us, when we begin to see the manifestation of the old self, Instead of us to we don't conclude well. We like to give excuses. We give excuses why we lie, whether it's occasionally or, or habitually. We give excuses why we watch pornography at times. We give excuses why we get rage of anger, even against our spouses, and sometimes you just angry. Some have slapped their wives, some their wives have refused to to to, to, to give food to their husbands, some have decided to To make their husbands to fast, even sexually. Many people have done wicked things, act of anger. People have broken bottles and broken things. And instead of us to examine ourselves, we used to blame people. We used to say, you provoke me, that's why I got angry. And it is your fault. And you are the one that pushed me to the wall. That was not David. When people are falling into immorality, they will find somebody to blame. It's either the lady or it's either the some reason why, and sometimes we say they have fallen. Our own conclusion is that he just backslided, he just fallen because we are not doing a proper examination. David did not say they have fallen, he did not say they have fallen. Neither did he blame a Bathsheba because some people have asked, Why do you bath outside in the daylight? Don't you see that David is, is sitting on top of his roof? Why are these women of today they are so seductive? Why do they tempt some people? There are many men that are blaming our ladies that are dressing loosely all over in the street and even to church as the reason why they are lasting. Yet Jesus has said, if any man looks at a lady and after he, in his heart, he has committed adultery. So if you are a man that you are struggling with lust, that whenever you see any lady in skirt, whenever you see somebody's breast, you see somebody's uh, in, in between the ties, you are confused. And you are beginning to, your body is changing. Instead of you to examine yourself. I see you blaming those loose girls. But David said, no. I have a problem. The problem is what is myself. In sin was I conceived. That's what led to his create in me what a new heart, O oh Lord." When David is asking for create in me, you know he's asking for the new creation. Do a surgery. I'm not a medical doctor, but you know what it means by in me a new heart. Because God has already promised in Ezekiel chapter 36. So what? A new heart will I give you. I will take away the stony heart from you. And give you a new heart. Because the old creation is no good. That stony heart, everything that has to do with it, is corrupt. It's desperately wicked. It can be of good behavior for some weeks and months. But naturally, it is not good. It will show off. Surprisingly, you will be surprised. Sometimes, everybody, something happens to one brother or sister. Ah, we are surprised. Ah, brother Joe. Ah, Kai. You are the one who is surprised. God is not surprised. God has been expecting that to happen. Because that's the nature. That nature can be of good behavior when the circumstances require so. When he cannot misbehave, he can conduct himself to some extent. Many of us behave very well in church like that. We are not like that from Monday to Saturday. We are not like that in the office. I don't see people quarrel in the office. If we are coming for communion on Sunday, you will see everybody will be holy. Even when you are marching, if somebody should step on your toe, you will say, God bless you. God bless you. Even when the person says sorry, you say, Don't worry. It's okay. Is that what you do? If somebody should step on your soul at the castle, at the Laurel Park, wouldn't you say, don't you have eyes? And the person I'm sorry. Says, you are sorry for what? Take your story away from them. You see the same person. You see when people go to boarding house, they try to comport themselves. When people, children, their parents are around, they try to behave. Many people, circumstances can allow them to behave. But when nobody is there, when your wife has traveled, when you have gone on track outside the country, when you are alone, when your parents are not there as a youth, you know where you go to, you know what you do. So this life, even the father is behaving well, sometimes it's not enough for us to conclude that he is okay. David said, "No, I have a problem. It's not okay." We didn't know David to be an immoral person that was uh, sleeping with prostitutes everywhere, but on this occasion, he had a very great conclusion that he needed a new heart. And a new spirit. That's what God had promised. And I think we're just praying the promise and the word of God. Creating me, and you had, oh Lord, and renew a right spirit within me. Because I have an issue. I'm praying that that is going to be our prayer and our cry. That's going to be our cry. But you see that the word of God is saying that what God needs is what? Is a new creation. And what comes first is not the new. It's always the old. Everybody born from the mother's womb is what? Is coming with the old creation. Before the spiritual will come. So there are two levels of life. The natural and what? And the spiritual. The old creation and what? The new creation. It has many names and we will learn a few of them. But for now, from all that we have read we have the natural and what? and the spiritual. So let each one examine himself, whether is of the natural or of the spiritual. Let each one examine himself, whether is what? Of the old creation, or what? Of the new creation. Job chapter, I think is Job also, 15, 14. I will quote that, then I will, all of this I am doing introduction uh, tonight. Job 15, 14. If our brother can say, Bring that out for good. See what is man that he could be pure, and he who is born of a woman that he could be righteous. Again, Job fifteen is speaking that this man is talking about is talking about this old creation. Any man born of a woman, he cannot be righteous. Any man born of a woman is born in sin. It's not when he sins that he becomes a sinner. He's a sinner before he even sins. You can put rules and regulations around him and force him, but he may try and try and try. But what is nature is nature. You cannot take fish from the water and ask him to walk on dry ground. You will be doing the impossible. He may try. He may try for the first 10-15 minutes. He will die. You cannot pick a crocodile and ask him to fly. You are doing something impossible. It's the nature. It's a nature. Crocodile is the nature for him to be in his habitat where he, he is comfortable to manifest what is inside him. So, you see that Job, he said that any man or woman, born of a woman, is naturally, habitually corrupt, sinful. He cannot be pure. He cannot be righteous. So, in the mind of God, he is not expecting any man born of a woman to be, to be serving him, to be expecting to go to heaven, to be expecting to live a holy and a pure life. He will fail. You will be disappointed. So God is expecting that there must be a new creation. If the old creation cannot be pure and cannot be holy, and the Bible says without holiness no one shall see the Lord, and God says blessed are the pure in heart. No, and how do we become pure and holy when we, the man born of a woman cannot be, since some miracle has to happen to the man. Something has to change about that nature. And that's what Jesus said. You must be born again. You must become a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So, I would like to now to go back a little bit, um, in the maybe 15 minutes or so that I have, to try to trace the root of this, of this old creation and look briefly about its nature. And then we will conclude tonight with prayer as we prepare hearts for tomorrow. By the grace of God, we will move uh, deeper tomorrow as we seek God for a solution. But you see that right in Genesis, and we will not have time again to do a deep study of Genesis 2-3, but in Genesis chapter 2, you will see that God had had already uh, created, finished creating the, the world, the earth as it is, and God had begun to create man. And said, let us make man, what? In our own image. And what? And likeness. And as God created man, by verse 20, uh, 21 to 24, you saw how man was created. And how the woman was also created. And the Lord God had given them the command and he has told them that of the trees in this garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that you shall not eat and the day you will eat of that tree you will surely die and by the way God created man he formed man, the body, and he breathed into man, into his gnosis, the life, the, 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 what became a living soul. So, when God was now, what made the man a living being is the life that God put into the body. This body is just a body. That's why when we die, we see this body, but we will not see the man. Actually, as I'm talking here, nobody has seen the man. You are just seeing my body talking. But the man, Professor Chasaka, is inside this body. This body is the tent, is the earthly vessel that carries the inner man inside. So my life is not my body. The body is the house. When you go to somebody's house, you are looking for the person. You are not looking for the house. You are looking for the man. So when God is looking for me and is calling me out, he's calling my inner man out from this body. So, this body will go back to the dust, and the life itself will return. So, when God said, the day you eat of the tree, you will surely die. And if God is speaking the truth, we are now seeing that in in Genesis chapter 3, you start with now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. And For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you shall be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed thick leaves together and made themselves what loin clothes. So, something fundamental has happened in this passage in chapter 3, verse 6. God has said, The day you eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil the life that i have put in you which is after my own image and likeness the life that makes us to have fellowship together that makes you to be doing my will and to take dominion everywhere it will finish the day that god created man he created him good and perfect I was reading Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 29. They say, when God made man he made him what? Simple. But man has made many inventions, complications. God made man good. Perfect. But he said that this image that I've put in you, which is according to our image and likeness, the day you will disobey you will surely die. So if God is true, on this day, in verse 6 of chapter 3, when Eve ate and gave some to his, uh, the husband and he also ate, what do you think has happened? What do you think has happened? They died. The Bible did not say you begin to die. It did not say when you eat it, you will die much more. It did not say when you eat it, you will die a thousand years. Some people say a day is a thousand years before God and thousands one No, that's not what we are talking about. It's not talking about a day. When we did English, they taught us about definite articles and indefinite articles. When somebody said the day you were born, you cannot say a day is like a thousand years. There's only one day you were born. So the day you were born is your day of birth. When we say the day you enter this church, you will die. We are not talking about a day. Any day you step here, you will die. That is the day. So when God said the day you eat this, you will surely die. If they ate it on that day, something happened. Something happened that day. But the body was still standing. Because the body is not the issue. There's nothing wrong with any of our bodies here, whether you are ugly or you're handsome, there's no problem. What matters is what? Is the new creation is what you are carrying inside. That's what matters. And that's what the devil is looking at. The devil is looking not for your body or your eyes or your hands. No, no, no. He's looking to quench the life that is inside, which God placed inside. And when the devil was able to tamper with that life, he died. If that life died and the man was still standing, then it means that there was a new life. This is the, the beginning of the flesh or the natural life. This is the beginning of the old creation. That life had become corrupted, A new life had rushing, which is not after the image and the likeness of God. And therefore you will see that this man and woman who have been married for years, and the Bible said they were both naked and they were not ashamed. Now we begin to see that what? They were ashamed. And they began to what? To what? Their eyes what? Were opened. That's the first characteristic of what of the natural life. I tear. eye I open. Anybody whose eye is open is very very clever, very smart. His eye is open. His idea is the natural life. Is the old creation. Their eye open. And when their eye open, they began to what to cover themselves. What does it mean to cover themselves? To hide. To pretend. Double standard. Anybody who is living a double life, who is pretending, who is hiding, deceiving himself or deceiving people, who cannot show his real self who has any reason to hide anything about himself or herself? Whether it's your date of birth that you are hiding, you want people to think you are young and you are old. Whether you go to the saloon to look young when you are an old woman or you are an old man, anything that wants you to pretend to put up an, a different appearance from the original is is a life of is a lie. They cover themselves up and they hide. They were running away from God. And God came and said, where are you? I'm showing you a few manifestations. I don't have time, you know. The scripture I've just quoted, you can see it in First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, if you have time you read. The Bible says what? Anything that covers is darkness. Anything that covers is darkness. Whenever you are covering something, whether you are making a phone call, and you see your wife coming, and you begin to hide it, you cut the call, you, you, is that life. When you finish getting a text message from somebody and you feel like you must delete it. Why are you deleting it? You are not doing it to save memory. You are deleting so that your wife will not see or your husband will not see. You are hiding, you are covering. Is that life? Anything you are doing to pretend that makes people to reduce their age of birth, that makes people to use people's certificate to work or to get admission to schools, all those covering and lying, all those kind of insincerity is part of this life. Is an old life. But you saw that what other things they began to do. When Jesus, God came, they said, Adam and Eve. They said, Adam, where are you? He said, we heard your voice. And then we uh, were afraid. And da, 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 da. And God asked, why are you hiding? Have you eaten of the tree that I asked you not to touch? And Adam said, what? Huh? The woman. You see another manifestation of this life. He does not accept blame. Whenever anything happens, he's always looking for somebody else what to blame. Whether it's in the office, he made a mistake. Whether it's in the home, she made a mistake. Whether it's in the church, he made a mistake. Whether they are singing a song in the choir and she made a mistake, he's always looking to blame the choir master, blame the organist, blame uh, the soprano. Blame the housemate. Blame the husband. Blame anybody that I can blame. The question was very simple. Have you eaten of the three I say? What should be the answer? Yes, yes I have eaten. Say not me. is the woman that you... You know he was, he was blaming God, isn't it? The woman that you... Got, you. You gave to be with me. I didn't ask you for a wife. This woman that you gave to be with me, she is the one. Go and ask her. When God asks if Eve, Eve, what is it have you done? What, is she, what should be the answer? I ate it and what? And I gave some to my, wife, my husband. I am sorry. Is that what she said? What did she say? It is the serpent that you created. And actually you were with the serpent there and you could not stay with him there. Why did you bring him here? to come and tempt us. If you have anything to blame, go and blame him. So, no apology, no repentance, no contrition, no breaking down, no mourning for sin. Nobody say I'm sorry. They were asking God questions that God could not answer. That is another manifestation of that life. They, will, they, will, they, they, they hardened their hearts, even against God. This is the generation that began They gave birth to their own sons, Cain and Abel. The same life. Cain and Abel went to do sacrifice to God. And Cain saw that, you know, he was outshined. And when he saw that his own sacrifice was not accepted, what did he do to the brother? He killed his brother. Nobody has done such a thing before in the world. Because in sin has he been conceived. In sin was he born. So the life that Cain is carrying here now is a different natural order. He killed Abel. When God came to ask, he said, Cain, why is your brother Abel? What should I be the answer? I've killed him. Simple. And if it's, if it's a new creation life, you will say, sorry sir, I did it. Forgive me. No. What, how did he answer God? Am I my brother's keeper? Why are you asking me such a question? Did you put my brother in my church? Don't ask that question again. If you cannot find go and ask his father and mother. And he's not talking to his mate, oh, he's talking to God. So you see, this life, very arrogant. Very rude. There are some brothers and sisters, they are very naturally rude. Very arrogant brothers and sisters. Even when they are not rich anywhere. So when God should raise them a little, pride is in their heart. And God says, the proud man, he will not succeed. I will resist the proud and give grace to the humble. There are women and men that are Christians and they are proud. And pride is from Satan, it's of that life. You know the way the New Testament concluded about Cain in first John chapter three? He said, None of us should be what a medal like Cain, who is of the wicked one? What does that mean? He belongs to the wicked one. Which means that the life that Cain was carrying, where is the source? It's from the devil. Where did he get it? He got it from the mother. Where did the mother get it? The mother got it from what? From the serpent, when he ate the fruit that day. So when the Bible now began to divide human beings into two, in First Thessalonians, and say so what? They, Those that are of the darkness, and we are of the day. Those that are of the night. Those that are of the darkness. We are of the light. We are children of light. They are children of darkness. They are the children of the devil. We are the children of God. You can see that there are two groups of individuals in the world. Not in the church, eh? in the world. Some are in the church. Even in the church, there are two types of people. There are those that still belong to the devil because they carry the, the life of the devil. And yet, they are still in this family. And there are those that have taken away that life of the devil and they have received a new life of Christ. As we continue, you see that this life continues. When you go to chapter 5 and that will be uh, you see that the Bible says that this is the book of the generation of Adam. When God created man he made him in the likeness of God. See you know the Bible is very interesting. It says why is he bringing the word when? I understand. If you take away when from there I thought you have just said that. Uh, this is the book of the generation of Adam. God created man in the, in, in the likeness of God. Isn't it? That would have been as if everybody is in the likeness of God. But when you say when, when is what? Is it a preposition? Uh, it's pointing to a particular time. So, the day, other translations, the day God created man, that day, he made man in his own likeness. It's not everybody that is born that is in the image of God. We used to say that everybody born is in the image of God. As if we are talking about the Father, he has a nose, he has an eye. That's not. When God said we will create man in our own image, he was talking about the nature of God. And if you don't know the nature of God, John says that, you know, in First John, I think chapter 5, he said what? This is the message that we receive from God. Isn't it? God is light. God is light. That's his nature. In him, there's no darkness at all. So the nature of God is what? Is light, no darkness. The nature of God is holiness, is purity, righteousness. So they told Jesus that thou loveth righteousness and hated iniquity. That's his nature. So when God says, I will create man in my own image and nature and likeness, he's not talking about the man who has nose and eyes. He's talking about creating a man with the life that shines. The life that is light. The life that is pure and holy. That's what the Bible says, Jesus in the beginning was the light. And the light shines in the darkness that no one could comprehend. And that Jesus is the one that lights every man that comes into the earth. So as you see, the Bible now says that he made them male and female. He created them and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam lived for 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness. You see the contradiction. I I pray that you understand why the Holy Spirit is writing this verse. In the day God created man, he created him in his likeness. Now this man lived 150 years and began to have children. And the children he had were in his own image does it suggest that these children were in the image of God? And at the time that this man is beginning to have children, he is not carrying the original image. Because the day that he ate of the tree, he should have died. So this new life that he's carrying, that he making him to lie and to argue with God and to cover up, is what he's using to produce his children. So by the time you are getting to Genesis chapter 6, the people have become so wild... Some have begun to commit immorality. The Tower of Babel people have come. They say, we want to make a name for ourselves. You see, anyone, people, that they are very ambitious. They want to make a name, very competitive spirit. It's the same life. They want to build a tower that will go to heaven to make a name. That same life. And I continue the way you saw one Lamech. He went and married two women. He was not satisfied. Even though God made one wife, one husband, that's when he started to commit uh, uh, adultery and multiple wives began. By the time you are getting to Sodom and Gomorrah, people have started homosexuality and lesbianism. So what? So what we are confronting in our day, you see that same life. So when somebody is a priest and is a Christian and say I'm a lesbian, I'm sexual orientation, all of those kind of things, we don't argue with them. We know, we know the life. We know what is the nature that is manifesting like that. As we are concluding, you see God now said in chapter 6 that I need to wipe off this old life. This old creation. This old life is not correct. No matter how you do, how you correct it, how you discipline it, it will still come back again and manifest. And that's what made God to conclude. And we are going to pray. I'll just pick one scripture so we can pray because our time is up. By the time you are getting to the New Testament in uh, Romans chapter 7 and that's where we would like to take our prayer point for tonight. You see that Paul was writing about uh, that life. As I read it, you will be praying with me for tonight and uh, by the grace of God we will continue tomorrow. Uh, Tomorrow we will stay in. In Romans 7, Paul was now beginning to talk about is this same life. And he says, verse 7, I'll just read from verse 7. He says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin by no means. Yet, if I had not been, it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive, but from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be dead to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. What Paul is saying, if I should just paraphrase this, is that, you know, there's nothing wrong with the law. God gave these people, this same generation, he gave them the law. He gave them the commandment. Everything he did. They disobeyed. He got angry with them. Moses interceded. No, They died and it was like that. You know, if you read the way the way uh, some put it, he say, they provoke God to anger. So that in his wrath, even God said that this generation, this generation, I don't even know what to do with them. They will not see my enter my rest. The, the, it is a life that is incorrigible. You cannot correct it with fasting and prayer. You cannot correct it with deliverance. He just has to die. That's the solution. There's nothing that these people didn't do to God. He showed them mercy. He did a lot of things for them. But they repeatedly provoke him to anger. That is the life. That is the life. So he said that the law is good. The commandment is righteous. But the nature of the life that is in me when you say you should not lie, that's when you will lie. If there is no red light, everybody will drive correctly. When you put red light there, that's when they will cross it. That is how this life is. He lies to disobey. He doesn't want to conform. And as Paul concluded it, he said, Did that which is good, then bring death to me. By no means, it was sin producing death in me through what is good. In order that, sin might be shown to be sin." Through the commandment, verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Can anybody testify with that? There are many things that we don't like. It. I, I think we want to be good Christians. I think because you see, those who want to misbehave, they are not here. Anson. As I'm talking about, there are some girls in the drinking bar. There are some boys who are going out with somebody's wife. There are people who are planning how to go and commit uh, murder. Who are going to do armed robbery. We are not the kind. For us to come and sit here on Sunday, sit here midweek service, I think we want to. We want to go to heaven. We want to do what is right. Our inner life actually wants to please God. There are things we are doing that actually we don't like it. That whenever we do something, sometimes we cry. Sometimes, we, after we have done it, we weep. I've seen sisters that they know, when they are falling into immorality, they will come and cry and cry and cry. So I won't do it again. I don't know why I did it. And then they will go and do it again. It's like that. People will want to stop drinking. I tried many years to stop alcohol. I could not stop. I drank it for years and I was in the church. I wanted to stop pornography. I could not stop. I know I don't like it. Anytime I did it, I feel, I feel filthy. But yet, it took occasion. I did it again and again. I want to lie. I could not. I want to stop lying. I could not. All of those things we did, we did, we did. But are we going to die like that? If we die like that, where are we going to go? Our Father is going to say, I never knew you. You that work iniquity. You are still of the old creation. So Paul was identifying with that old creation life. That what I hate is what I do. What I love to do, I cannot do it. And it's not my fault. He's talking about what? Sin. That is what? That is outside what. Where is it? It's in me. You're not talking about sins. There's a difference between sins and sin. Sins are produced by sin. And sin is a personality, is the nature inside us. We'll be looking at its manifestations much more in the New Testament when you study Galatians chapter five and verse nineteen. The acts of the flesh. The manifestation of the physicality, sexual morality, all of those kind of things, there is this nature. As you want to conclude, and that's why I want us to conclude so we can pray. In the verse 24, when he has found everything here, and they say what? Verse 22, I delight in the law of God, in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Oh, what wretched man that I am. Who would deliver me from this body of death? And that is going to be our prayer tonight. Even though it looks very early. But we can start praying this in preparation for tomorrow. If you have examined yourself, you can identify with Paul and say that there are good things I want to do. And no matter how I try, I am not able to do it. There are things I am doing that I don't really like. And I know God also doesn't like. And I know the commandment of God forbid it. But I see myself doing it. Whether it is occasionally or it is you are doing it all the same. And you are saying that it's not me. Something is wrong somewhere. There's something who is hijacking this body and does not want it to do the will of God. And therefore, i must cry to God for deliverance. I must ask God to come to help me. And that's what Paul said Oh, what wretched man that I am. Who would deliver me from this body of dead? I would like us to bow our heads in prayer as we pray, each one of us, examining ourselves. We are introducing the first part of this communion preparation service, understanding the nature of the flesh. The flesh is the natural life. is the life that we are born with from our mother's womb. It's the old creation. It's the fallen life. is the Adamic nature. We inherited it from our parents and from our grandparents and from Adam and Eve. It cannot please God. It's an enemy of God. God has concluded it must die. Will you ask God, say, Lord, examine me test me try me if there's any iniquity in me any wickedness in me any unfaithfulness in me any cover up anything I'm hiding for years that nobody knows about and I'm not able to open up I'm not able to tell my spouse I'm not able to tell my boss I'm not able to tell my pastor these things deliver me show me the way everlasting help my life create in me a new heart O Lord and renew a righteous spirit within me just talk to God in one minute we can continue our prayer when we go home but just in one minute ask God say Lord help me and if the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes already to the issues point God to you say God this matter must end in this, this communion service. I cannot carry this life again after tonight, after tomorrow. By Sunday, I must be a new creation. Don't say it's not too much. Maybe your own is not that. Many many things. You are not drunkard. You are not a womanizer. You are not. You have categorized things to be serious and not serious. No. Every disobedience. Every cover up. Every manifestation of that natural life. It's enough to send you to hellfire. It's enough to disqualify you from being used of God. It's enough to disqualify you from the kingdom of God. It's enough to cry. It's serious enough to cry and say, oh, what wretched man that I am. Oh, what wretched woman that I am who would deliver me from this body of death. Christ Jesus died. Lord, please help my life. Thank you, Jesus.